Good evening. You know, we find ourselves on this Good Friday at the foot of the cross. The cross that was meant for the worst of society. Criminals that deserve the death penalty in the most public and humiliating way. And shockingly, there on the cross, he hangs. The Son of God. Jesus hung on that cross on Good Friday, bearing the sins of the world. And tonight in our passage, there is a profoundly important conversation that occurs between Jesus and these two others as they are dying on the cross together. I just want to highlight three things tonight as we look at this shocking scene on the cross. First, I want you to notice the accusation. The accusation by one criminal when life does not work out the way that he wants. In verse 39, he says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. That word railed is the word in the Greek, blasphemio. It's in the imperfect tense, meaning over and over again, he blasphemed and attacked Jesus, saying, are you not the Christ, save yourself and us. Not realizing that it was his own sin that got him there in the first place. We need to pause here because I know it's a little bit shocking, but I can in some humanistic way sympathize with the criminal here and what he says. Because he's in pain, and he sees no way out. Circumstances are bad, and they're turning worse. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we've thought or said these words ourselves to God. Like, God, where are you? Are you not God? Save me. And what's interesting is, we all know this, right? Biblically speaking, we all deserve death and to spend eternity in hell because of our sin. We say this a lot in church because it is true biblically, right? This is what we deserve. If you look at Romans 3.23, it tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, it tells us that there is not even one person, no, not one that is righteous. And because the wages of sin is death, that's what we deserve. But I would venture that although we know this cognitively as biblical truth, that maybe there are points in our lives when we have a hard time accepting this truth. Because there are moments when we 
theologically sound believers, we believe something different. We believe we deserve better. God, if you're in my life, like what's happening, fix this. This is actually a good PR move for you, God. Do you really want people to actually question your goodness and sovereignty? Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. You know, two weeks ago, a tragedy occurred in Nashville where six people got shot and killed. It's happening so often where I think we even grow numb. And we shouldn't grow numb to the evils in our world. And every life that was lost is so painful and heartbreaking. But one particularly, there was a nine-year-old daughter, Haley Scruggs. Her dad was a pastor. She was described in this way by her father that she loved ninjas, unicorns, playing soccer and basketball. Like many of our children, or many of us. God, how can you let this happen? Three children and three staff members. Are you not the Christ? What's so powerful about this story is that instead of accusations by the family, this is what the father shared in the interview. Pastor Scruggs said, quote, We are heartbroken. Now she was such a gift. But through tears, we trust that she is in the arms of Jesus, who will raise her to life once again. There is grief. It is a hard time, but not without hope. Instead of accusation, this was what was shared. Because there are times when circumstances can be overwhelming and painful. And accusations may want to creep into your heart and into your mind. But like this pastor, we see, which leads us to point two, that there are those that are able to see who God truly is in spite of the circumstances. That's point two. Look at verse 40 with me. Instead of the accusation of the first criminal, the second one says, the other rebuked him, saying, do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Talk about being able to see who Jesus truly is, clearly despite the difficult circumstances. Right? We don't know if this man ever attended a Bible study or a teaching by Jesus, but he gives such sharp theological truths in this very simple discourse. He talks about Jesus, who is God, who has done nothing wrong. He was righteous and sinless. 
and we are those who justly receive our reward for our sin. He had a right view of himself as a sinner and his sin, which became a precursor to a right view of Christ and Christ's work. And this is amazing because as his body was enduring the agony and suffering of crucifixion, in a moment, his mind becomes absolutely clear, even amidst the difficult circumstance, to see who truly Jesus was and is. Believers, one of the most important valuable gifts in life is when we see God clearly for who he is in spite of our circumstances. You know, life is hard and it it just doesn't seem fair at times. It really doesn't. You know, we lost our, our dear sister, Sergi. Uh, it's already now almost 20 days that we had her funeral. And uh, it was just a great celebration of her life. And uh, the thing that I wanted to point out was Charles, or her husband, gave a eulogy. And in the eulogy, I mean, it was probably the best eulogy I've ever heard, right? I mean, if you've ever met Charles, well-spoken, he's kind of quirky and funny, uh, but really sharp and smart. And so he's just sharing stories. And it's, I was like, man, he should be a pastor. This is, this is like really spot on. But at the end of it, uh, what really struck me was he talked about how he thought it wasn't fair. That Sergei passed so early. Right? He shared that there was no family history of cancer. She was young. She was relatively healthy. But she loved God. She loved others. And yet, at the age of 47, she was taken. And yet, as Charles kept speaking, you didn't leave thinking like, oh my goodness, he just thinks it's unfair. No, he was able to point all of us in that room to say, although it seems unfair, God is good, and I trust in his plan. He was able to point all of us and to say, we ought to look at God and trust in him, despite the difficult circumstances that arise. Because there are times when life doesn't seem fair, but can you see God in those moments? Can you see clearly his character, his love, his grace, his righteousness, his justice, his faithfulness, even in the greatest storms when life shakes us up and down? Stuff that might keep us up at night, that might bring tears in an instant. And maybe it's not even crazy stuff. Like today, my uh, second daughter, Riley, she was throwing up all day. Have you ever had that? That's always fun, right? And I felt so, I mean, your heart breaks, and it's not like it's life-threatening. But even then, you're thinking like, God, like, why? And regardless of whatever circumstance you walk into this room, 
Can you see our God in the midst of even the greatest storms in life? Doesn't this remind you of Matthew 14 when Jesus is walking on water and he calls Peter on? You remember that story? And it says this in 27, Jesus immediately said to him, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But verse 30 changes. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save. It's a simple reminder that we hear over and over again. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Do you remember that in Hebrews? And sometimes it's so hard because it's so easy to see the wind and the waves crashing around us. And it's easy for us to go to sleep thinking about what the problem is. What is not going right? What is stressful? And maybe God is calling us to say, I am there with you in that storm. Hold on to me. And here, what we see is that even in the most difficult of times, this criminal sees Jesus for who he is. A sinner turning to a Savior. Point three, we see the basis of how we can spend eternity with Jesus in paradise. In verse 42, it's a very famous verse, and I'm sure maybe if you've grown up in the church, you're aware of this ending, so it won't shock you, but it is shocking. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me. You may have noticed uh, both criminals asked Jesus to save them. He saves one and ignores the other. The first man apparently dies in his sin, angry, bitter, hurling insults at Jesus, not facing up to his own sin. The second receives forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life. Why the difference? Well, the first thief did not ask in repentance and faith, and the second criminal did. And Jesus says, today you shall be with me in paradise. Note the time phrase, today. You don't have to go through some hypothetical transitional state like purgatory. No, as soon as you are absent from the body, you are at home with the Lord, as 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us. You know, Pastor Alistair Begg in 2019 gave this wonderful sermon. It's kind of gone viral the last couple of weeks. Coincidentally, I think uh, Pastor John Schick posted this on his Insta story. So if you want to take a look at the whole actual clip, you can kind of see it. But he gives this great illustration about Jesus on the cross with these two criminals. And I find it very powerful, which I want to share with you. He talks about how he can't wait to find this guy that was on the cross that gets saved. To ask him how in the world 
did you end up in heaven? You're about to die justly for your sin. Your friend is cussing Jesus out. Like you never went to a Bible study. You were never baptized. You don't know a thing about church membership. And yet, here, you made it. How did you make it? He wants to ask this guy. He talks about how probably there was an angel that was thinking the same thing. The angel comes up to this guy and says, what are you doing here? And the man responds, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. So he's like, okay, let me get the head supervisor angel. So the supervisor angel comes. I just have a few questions for you. Are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy says, I've never heard of it. What about the doctrine of scripture? The guy shrugs his shoulder and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Finally, in frustration, the head angel finally asks, on what basis are you here? And the criminal said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. The man on the middle cross said, I can come. What would you say if you died and went to heaven and were before our maker? And you were asked, on what basis are you here? And if your answer to that question is in the first person, you have missed out on Good Friday and the message of the cross. That's the point that Pastor Alistair Begg was trying to make. If your answer is, oh, it's because I did this, I did that, because I came to church, because I served in this and this and this. No, because the proper biblical answer that we see here in this interaction is because he did it. Because Jesus paid it all. Because the man in the middle cross said, I can come. So you and I are here, saved as sons and daughters of God. You know, isn't that amazing that in an instant, this repentant criminal that should have been headed to hell in a supernatural moment was rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of our Savior. I want you to realize how powerful and convicting the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit by the work of the cross, by the Son, Jesus Christ, where there's no human too wretched or too far for him to save. This is not a new story, but maybe a story that we need to be reminded of often so that we don't come into the presence of God thinking that we've done something for him but we come with gratitude because we realize that in spite of who we are and what we've done and what we haven't done, he still died for you and I. And that invitation is open to all. I read this article this week. Uh, it's from Christianity Today, and I want to just share a quote. And it says this in that 
wonderful article. It says, again, we see at the cross of Christ the story of incredible grace. At the heart of the atonement is divine hospitality, where God invites the undeserving and unexpected to come home. My friends, we are one day closer to that day when we will pass. And we say hallelujah, that we will be with our maker, celebrating and worshiping him. And today is a day for us to recognize that the cross has spoken. And now, no matter how much sin, past, present, or future, we are saved. We are loved. And we are forgiven. And on that foundation, we stand and we sing and we worship and we come to God and say, You are Abba Father. We say, Hallelujah. You know, I was kind of joking with Julie. I saw her in the morning. I was like, Hey, happy Good Friday. And she was like, I didn't know if she knew how to respond. I was kind of happy, I guess. It's Jesus dying on the cross. Is that how we should say it? Well, yeah, it's happy because it is good. It's happy and we can celebrate and worship because no matter the circumstances that you've walked into this room, there's a God that is with you and for you. And even if the circumstances overwhelm us and this life ends, guess what? He will hug us and welcome us into permanent home. So we sing hallelujah and we celebrate. So I know this is so cheesy and people hate when I do this, but I want you to turn to someone and say, hey, happy Good Friday. Would you do that real quick? The price is great. But he went to the cross for us. It's an invitation to the undeserving and unexpected like you and I to come home with him. Let's pray together. Jesus, it's so amazing that that we come empty-handed We have nothing to offer. And yet you love us. This is a story of incredible grace that we do not deserve. May we each day remember, God, that because of you, we have a life that's worth living until you take us home. And so we long for that day. And every breath that we have here on this earth, help us to walk in your gospel truth and to live it for your glory and for your glory alone. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we thank you for your love for us. And in your
your son's name we pray. Amen.